Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So we're in our second week of our series. We started a series last week on um, the blessed life and talking about uh, well, Pastor Emma preached a great message on the entirety of what it means to be a blessed Christian. Um, not just in our finances, not just in our relationships, but in the entirety of everything as a Christian, we are blessed. So we're going to continue that on today and we're going to talk a little bit more into that. We will be touching on finances today and what that means, uh, the tithe and all that kind of stuff. But just to, to really get your head around um, where, where we're going to go. I want us to start off in this point in Genesis 12. Genesis 12, 1, God's talking to Abraham, uh, or Abram at the time, and, uh, and he makes a, he gives Abram a blessing. And from this moment on, we enter into this thing called the Abrahamic covenant. And uh, we need to understand what this is. So we'll, we'll get into it. It says, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So it says that Abram went as the Lord had told him. So there's this thing called the Abrahamic covenant. And when we start to talk about tithes, offerings, giving, uh, this area of the blessed life, right? Because it's an area of our life and it's an important area of finances. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about uh, stewardship and generosity um, and what it means to, not just about the 10% that the Bible talks about when it comes to tithes, but what about the other 90% that God has given us as well? Because God has given us an entirety of 100% of our income and and God has an expectation on us that we would manage that and, and steward that money properly, that we would look after it and we'd even increase it and grow it in our own abilities. So, so you know, the one thing you need to understand about us as a church is we're not a church that um, every week in and week out does tithes and offering messages trying to, you know, kind of pull the money out of your pocket and put it in a bucket. And, and we, we, we don't do that. A lot of what we do is leave it up to God to speak to us as people uh, and as Christians to, to be generous and be givers in the church. Um, occasionally we'll have a message of, of, it, of the offering and things like that. But my first firm belief is, is that this whole topic of tithes and offerings is a topic of revelation. It's something that God needs to speak to us about. It cannot, you cannot be coerced or, or, and you should not be coerced or manipulated to, to partake in this uh, because it's not between man and man, it's between you and God. And it's a conversation every single one of us should be having with God. Because when we talk about living the blessed life, we're talking about the entirety of our life, right? So we want a blessed marriage. We want blessed children. We want blessed relationships. We want all these things to be, you know, we want to carry that blessing in our life. And of course we should, but we shouldn't then steer away and be fearful of talking about money in the church either, because money is a big part of our life. 
And it's an important part of our life because what we do with our money can often determine whether we actually experience that blessing in our life or not when it comes to our finances. If we're poor stewards of our money and we waste money and we don't use it for God's, you know, God's glory and we don't look after it and mould it and shape it, we end up seeing that money is not a great blessing to our life because it becomes more of a curse. And... Uh, but when we have the right knowledge and the right understanding of the Word, and we understand that, that in the Bible, um, you know, that there, there, there is so many scriptures through the Bible that talk about finances and possessions, and there's an expectation from God that we would look after those things properly. So today we're going to talk about that. And I want to start off with Abraham because what I want us to realise is when we, when we start to talk about tithe, there can be a bit of an attitude or a bit of an, uh, a misunderstanding that, well, that's Old Testament and, uh, and that's, no longer pra- that's no longer feasible because now we live under grace. But what I wanted you to understand from this moment, and this is where the Abrahamic covenant comes into play. This is the covenant that God made Abraham, that he would be a blessing to, and he would be a great nation. And, and, and what we have to understand is this blessing came before the law. Okay. Abraham didn't operate under the law of Moses, right? Because Moses wasn't even in the picture, right? God hadn't even spoke to Moses yet. Abraham operated under a different covenant than the, Abraham, than the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was the law of God. It was what God brought down to man to say, this is how you will live your life and this is how you will work. And this is where the Pharisees lived from and the Sadducees lived out of this Mosaic covenant. But Abraham was before that. He predated that law and that covenant. And actually tithes and offer, the tithe was actually instituted through Abraham or through Abram long before the law was given. So we can't, we can't claim that tithes are no longer relevant because it's Old Testament, it's, it's law and it's religious, it's, it's, it comes out of the law because actually it was predated the law in the first place. Abraham didn't live under the laws that the, the Pharisees lived under because they weren't existed. They didn't exist. Those rules did not exist at that point. There were no Ten Commandments when Abram lived. In this moment, and if you come over with me to uh, the next, well, the next page in my Bible might be a couple of pages after you. But if you come over to chapter fourteen, and we go to chapter and verse eighteen, we see that Abram has uh, this great victory, and he, he, he's you know basically went to war, and he's, he's he's come back with all this plunder. And it comes to uh, verse eighteen. It says, "Then Machizeldek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High." And he blessed Abram, saying, "Blessed be Abram by God, my most uh, by God most high, Creator of heaven and of earth. Praise be to God most high, who delivered you your enemies into your hand." And it says, "Then Abram gave a tenth of all that he had." Now we have to remember this is where we see the first official clear tithe of God, right? 10%. We talk about the 10%, right? And this is where it, this is the first clear moment. Now, um, if you go back further, the children of Adam and Eve, right? Cain and Abel, one gave of first fruits to God, the other gave a poor sacrifice to God. And, and so we are talking about the first fruits there. But this is the one time in the Bible, very clearly we see that the tithe, a tenth of everything Abram had in that moment of his increase was given to God. 
And we understand now that this came before the Mosaic Covenant. It came, bef- it came before law. It came before them, him being told he had to do this. So it came out of a different place, right? It didn't come out of obligation. It didn't come out of coercion. It didn't come out of control. It didn't come out of manipulation. It came out of a different place where, you know, the Pharisees were operating out of a legalistic law-driven rule in their life. Abram was coming out of a place of uh, blessing. It was a place of him desiring to want to honour the priest of God Most High. Now, the other thing we need to have to understand about the gospel, the Bible, is that through the Old Testament, there are types of Jesus. Okay, if you're a good Bible college student and you've done some Bible college, you might have heard about that. It's, you know, the Christology. It's about um, the types of Christ throughout the Old Testament where Jesus literally showed up in the Old Testament. And there are lots of different places throughout the Scriptures, like just here, Machiseldeck is a type of Christ, right? The God of, He was the priest of God Most High, and He's a type of Christ. And, and, and so this, this verse is representation of Jesus being in the midst of this conversation. So, so we see that Abram gave a tenth of all he had to the priest of God Most High, being that, that Machiseldeck was actually a type of Christ. He literally was God in that moment. And so we see that Abram had this, uh, this reaction when he encountered this priest that drove him to give out of a place of honour, respect and of, of, you know, of relationship. Not out of law, not out of religion, not out because somebody told him to do it. It was a moment between him and this priest and that's what mattered. It was a moment between him and God. There was nobody telling him he had to do this. Even Machiseldeck himself did not say, Abram, you have to give me 10%, Right? But yet Abram's response was to give the first fruit of what he had, had brought in. So we're just trying to get clear around some of these ideas that, you know, there are thinking out there that, oh, the tithe is Old Testament. It's no longer relevant. But, you know, here's the thing about the Bible is there are some things from the Old Testament that we bring to the cross and they no longer go any further. Jesus completed all of it, right? At the cross, it was done away with. But then there is another, there are other things in the Bible, like murder, right, that came to the cross and continued on, right? So, so, so we can't claim, if we were to claim that, that um, somehow, somehow um, tithing was Old Testament and no longer relevant because we live under grace, then we, how far do we take the argument? Because then we have to go down the line, well, if it's like that for that, then adultery must be okay as well, right? Because, well, that's Old Testament, but we now live under grace, so that gives us the freedom to go off and what? Partake of something that is obviously not of God. And then, so we see that there are some things that come to the cross and don't get through the cross. And then there are other things that come to the cross in God's rule and God's law that, that goes to the cross and comes through the cross and continues on, right? So, so tithing is one of those things. It comes to the cross, but it was not abolished because one, tithing never was established under law. Tithing was established under blessing a different type of covenant, right? So, so it continued through the Abrahamic covenant. Do you realise that blessing that is on Abram in that Scripture is actually on you today, 
right? The only, re- the only thing that stipulates that blessing for your life is salvation in Christ. As soon as you come into relationship with Jesus, you enter into the Abrahamic covenant that never finished. Right? The Mosaic Covenant finished when Jesus died on the cross. Those, law, those rules, those, all those rules and laws and everything the Pharisees were doing, Jesus completed it and finished it at the cross. But Abraham, the Abrahamic Covenant was a covenant that continued forever, right? It would never finish. It's still in play today. If you know Christ and are in relationship with Him, you are a blessed Christian. You are blessed, No question about it. You're not starting from a place of not being blessed with God, right? You know, I remember when I came into this job and Pastor Andrew, our previous lead pastor, he was uh, talking to me about taking this job on and he starts talking to me about trust. And, you know, I'd come from an environment where trust was a shaky word in the church and and were you trusted or not trusted? I'm not quite sure. But this is what he said to me. He said, this is where you start in relationship with me in this church. You start fully trusted. He goes, you do not have to earn my trust. He goes, you have it. I would not have offered you the job as the pastor of this church if I didn't trust you. So he goes, you trust by me, trusted 100%. That's where you start. And this is the same in this situation. You are blessed 100%. There is no questions asked. When you come into relationship with Christ, the blessing of God is on your life. There is, it may not be activated, but it's there, right? So, so, you know, when we come around giving and tithes, what are we doing there? Well, we, you know, when we release finances to God in the tithe, or, we, or even if we take finances and we bless somebody else, what are we doing that? What, what's that doing? You know what that's doing? It's activating God's blessing in your life. It's like faith. We can have faith, but faith can be dormant, right? It can be not activated. So we're in a situation and we're completely desperate. We're not in faith because, but we have faith. Why? Because we know that we were given faith. We had to have faith in the beginning to get saved. If we didn't have faith, we would never have got saved. The Bible tells us that God had given us a portion of faith. And it's that faith that lives in us. But that faith doesn't operate all the time. Why? Because sometimes we don't live in the zone where we haven't, we haven't switched it on. And and so we're in the point of hopelessness and desperation and despair in a situation until, excuse me, until we start, we go, oh, hang on a minute. I have a God that can work that out for me. What am I doing? And we go, bing, and we flick the switch and on comes our faith, right? And we start believing differently. We start talking differently about the situation. Same deal here. You are blessed, right? And you may go, but there are areas in my life that I don't feel blessed. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean you're not blessed. It just means that in that area of your life, you need to switch on the blessing switch and go, you know what? I am blessed. My children are blessed. Oh, but pastor, you don't know how terrible my children behave sometimes. Yeah, well, guess what? All kids behave like that. But <laughs> that's no, no secret, right? We like to not... We like to pretend, but, but all kids are rat bags sometimes. And even me, I'm a rat bag and I'm a, I'm a pastor. So, um, so, so if, if God can get me to this point, there's hope for everybody. So, uh, so what, what I'm trying to do is bring up a little bit of teaching around what the tithe is, debunk some kind of thinking that may not be 100% biblical around why I should or shouldn't tithe. Look, the reality is, at the end of the day, you are master of your own wallets, right? 
And my hand does not go into your purse or your wallet and help itself. It, it's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with God. So as I'm talking about this, this may stir stuff up in some of us, depending on where we've come from and what church background we have and all that kind of stuff. But please know my heart that I'm not trying to berate people or but what I'm trying to do is bring some teaching, all right, and hopefully good teaching to help us to understand what the tithe is and why we should do it and why is it important in our life. So is that okay? Is that good? Yeah. Okay. It's going to help us. So we see that we, we, we start from the place of blessing and then we have, we have the opportunity to activate that blessing in every part of our life, not just in our finances, but today we're talking about finances. So we see that Abram gave a tithe that predated the law, right? So this is not a law-driven thing. Tithing is not law-driven. We've made it law-driven because, you know, we want to get up and we want to champion the church and we want to throw your money into the church and rah, rah, the church, this, the church. So look, it's all great. But for me, I don't give, I don't tithe because somebody told me to do it. It's not how it starts. I can't, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, when did I start tithing? I can't remember. I remember I was, I was an early Christian because I remember it was early on, I was still going to nightclubs at the time. I was still going and playing poker machines at the time. Uh, and, and, and I remember winning money in poker machines and coming to church and tithing on my winnings. <laughs> so God was doing a work, right? And, and it didn't, after a little while, I, somebody might've said something to me about that lifestyle as a Christian. And, uh, and then I started to realise that Poker machines probably weren't the greatest stewardship approach to my finances. Even though I was honouring God in it, it probably wasn't the greatest moment of my life when I realised, well, I was kind of honouring God and dishonouring at the same time because, yes, I was being faithful in giving, but I was being very unfaithful in my stewardship. And so I had to learn new ways and new patterns. But I would have been a very early Christian. I mean, probably just a few months in. I was still doing all the wrong things in my life. But here's the beauty of this, right? It's a journey and a process, right? It's like everything to do with Christ, everything to do with God is a journey and a process. God does not expect you to have it right straight away, right? And, and so, so when it comes, even when it comes to giving and tithes, right, we say, oh, 10%. But my thing would be, you know, start at your ability, you might not be able to do the 10%, but you might be able to do three, right? This is the one area, right, that God tells us we can test him in. The one area in the Bible he tells us, test me in this. In Malachi, come with me to Malachi. Where am I? That's Proverbs, that's not Malachi. So we see in this story, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. This is Malachi uh, 3.6. Who loves that, that God doesn't change? He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything he's instigated, everything he does, who he is, never changes. I love that because it means when he says that he gave Christ for me, that's never going to change. When he says that he loves me, that's never going to change. When he says that I'm blessed, that's never going to change. Why? Because God will never change. Isn't it amazing? Lucy said to us, was it Lucy said to us the other day? Was it you, sweetie, that said, where did God, when did God get born? Or Was it? 
Pretty sure, yeah, yeah. And we're like, well, actually, God's always been there. He's never changed. I don't know how it, how, how it all begun. We don't have a picture of that. All we know is God has always been there. He's there right now. He always will be there. And He's there because He loves us and He's created us. And we, we benefit from that relationship because of that. So, um, but in this uh, passage of Scripture, right, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And often that's what we find is the problem. God never, ever pulls away from us, but we will pull away from him. And that can be the battle for us. So he says, uh, what do I say? Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, says God. But you ask, how, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, he says. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because... You love that when someone texts you and I shouldn't... I only have my phone up here. That's oh, all right. I only have my phone up here to check the time. <laughs> Don't text me. So um, what does say? He says... In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you were robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, he says. I love that. Test me, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for, you, for, for yours will be a delight of the land, says the Lord. See, that. then all the nations will call you blessed. What's that? That's the Abrahamic covenant. People will see the blessing on your life and recognise that you are followers of Christ. See, here's the thing. When you talk to people that tithe, often their language in one, one way or another is, I feel so blessed. I feel blessed. I'm blessed. That's their language. When you talk to someone that doesn't tithe, the language is very different because normally it is, I can't afford to tithe. Normally, I can't afford to tithe is the response. And a lot of people I've talked to about this but when we say we can't afford to tithe, we're missing the point of what tithing is all about. Because this is not a transaction between you and a church. Of course, it benefits the church. We can't somehow sugarcoat that. The church turns the lights on. We buy equipment. The pastor gets paid. The tithes cover all that kind of stuff. Of course it does. They're very practical means that get covered, right? Every, every church has that element of giving that covers the expenses of the church. But, but that's a very practical, really down-level look at what tithing's all about. But the reality is tithing is to do with you and God and the relationship you have with Him. And what is He saying to you about this topic? What is he saying to you about your finances? Have you ever asked him about this? Have you ever said to God, look, God, I can't afford to do it. And, but Lord, how could I see it come to pass in my life? Lord, why should I partake in tithing? Why should I do that in my life? Ask the, if you do tithe and you are a tither, have you ever asked yourself why you actually do it? 
Why, why do I do what I do? I asked myself this question the other day because for me and, and Em, and I'm going to get Em up to share in a minute just a brief testimony of her journey with this because she's come from a different background and, uh, and, she, and, and we had many a moment as early couple because for me, I came into the church and it was just something I did. I can't even remember how I started, but I just, like I said earlier, I started when I was doing all the wrong things, but yet I was tithing and I've just implemented it in my life and I've never, ever regretted that moment. But for him, it was a different story. But have you ever asked yourself why you do it? When I asked myself this week, Dave, why do you tithe? It's kind of weird when you talk to yourself in the third person, but why do you tithe? Why do I tithe? And for me, I tithe because I want to honour God. I tithe because I want to show him that I love him. It's an expression of devotion for me. It's got nothing to do with anybody ever telling me I had to do it because I can't remember being told I ever have to do it. And I was in a church from being saved that had, you know, a 10, 15 minute tithe message every week. Every single week we were told, give, 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 give. But for me, that was never somebody telling me. It just came out of a natural, maybe a little bit like Abram. I just had a desire to do it. And ten, the 10% was just like a guiding tool of like, that's where I start. And now that, that it's neither here nor there. I give here, I give there, whatever, because I see the value in it. I see the value in honouring God. In Proverbs 3.9, it says, honour the Lord with your wealth. So I see that honour is connected to God's blessing. It's connected to my relationship with Him. And if I want God's honour on me, then I want to be able to express that to Him. Why don't I get Em up? Why don't you come up, babe, and just share just, you know, briefly around how your journey started with tithing. Yep. Um, So as Dave said... Um, my journey is very, very different. He's laughing. <laughs> He's remembering having flashbacks. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in a um, very traditional church uh, and um, the churches that we went to as a family, uh, they did pass around uh, offering uh, bags. And I remember people giving. So even from a young age, I, I remember my parents putting money into the bag. Uh, I remember seeing other people do that, but but no one ever actually talked about it. It just sort of got passed around uh, and then the box would sit at the back of the church and sometimes people would go um, put money in and I remember asking my parents can I have a dollar you know because I thought it was pretty special to take their money and put their money in for them better <laughs> no it hasn't changed uh, and as I got older so uh, we, we had moved churches but it was much the same so I never actually heard uh, teaching around what, what a tithe was um, or, or how it worked or, uh, or anything like that. I just thought it was just something that people did. They just did it to be generous, uh, to give into the church. And so as a, as a young adult, for me, um, I, I didn't tithe, um, but I, I gave lots of offerings. So uh, I guess in essence, I was generous in so many different ways. Um, I would find ways to bless people. I would put money in the, the offering bag when I had surplus or if I felt like, you know, maybe I should this week. Uh, it, was, it was never intentional uh, and there was no consistency um, there at, at all in my life. Um, and, it, and it wasn't a priority at all. Like it was just just something I did if I felt like it that week. And then I met Dave um, and I remember um, we we had to do a pre-marriage course 
and I think I think the book was called Before Before You Say I Do. Before You Say I Do, I Do, and I think it had five sections, and one of them was on um, finances, and and it broached the topic of uh, giving um, and tithing in the church. And I remember that was that was like halt. It halted our whole pre-marriage course right there, and we had. We had some arguments, like so many arguments over that one chapter and we couldn't move forward um, from that chapter. I think we ended up just chucking, chucking the book out, didn't we? And we got married anyway. <laughs> got married anyway. So we didn't finish the course, but it was a, it was a big issue because we were, not, we were not on the same page at all with our finances. And although our money um, in, in our marriage, we, we always were intentional about putting our money together, um, Dave would tithe, tithe off his income and I wouldn't give a cent um, off my income. And so it was a, it was a big issue uh, for us. Um, <laughs> a big issue. Uh, and anyway, for... For the first, <laughs> for the you asked me, the first year or two, um, yeah, like I was really challenged because I I changed and moved to a, a Pentecostal church for the first time, and so I began to hear, you know, the 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 message every week, and um, obviously Dave was very faithful that way, and he'd always be encouraging me to to try that. But it ended up being so difficult, and the big thing between us that he just ended up giving it to God and saying, I think that's what you said to me. If if God tells you to to do it, then you can do it. If not, then you just go as you are. Um, so it was very gracious of him to do that. But I but I did go and speak to uh, our pastor at the time, and I remember sitting with him and talking through um, what was happening with my own thoughts, what was happening in our marriage. And he just, he just took the time to sit with me and, and talk me through that. And he said, you know what, Em, like, you can keep going the way you are if you want to. Like, you, you're a Christian, God loves you, you love God, like, you're heaven bound. He goes, but, but you know what, like, there is so much more, like, to this life um, that you are missing out on. And... Um, and he goes, like, I just want to encourage you to see God uh, in that. And, you know, if you choose to give it a go, I can tell you now that, that things will change for you, um, that you'll see things very differently, um, that you'll start to experience that, that abundance, um, the blessing that can come um, from God. And so um, I started to, like, step into it slowly and... I think I gave like 7% and then 8% and I <laughs> slowly started to, um, to increase. But, but before I knew it, um, in, in those, those early days, I just remember seeing God working and, and in miraculous ways. So as I, as I, I guess, tested him on this, because I, I, they were my prayers, like, oh God, if, you're, if this is really you, then you're going to have to show up and you're going to have to do this and and, uh, but he did, and I was shocked by it um, as well. I shouldn't have been shocked, but I, but I was, because we just saw God's faithfulness um, in coming through um, in, in different needs that we had at the time and just the way that, um, yeah, that we experienced financial blessings. So I should stop talking. It's your message. No, no, I'm, I'm excited to hear what else I might find out. <laughs> Yeah, look, at the same time all of that was happening, I remember sitting with the same pastor and he, and he said to me, you know, like, he goes, you're going to have to let it go. This caused it a rift in our marriage. Maybe it's a good word for someone right now because I didn't plan on saying this, but 
But I had, to dis- I had to make a conscious decision to give it to God and say, God, you need to take care of this because this is not going to cost me my marriage. This is not going to cost me the relationship with my wife because we can't see eye to eye on this, especially when it's not about her conforming to me. It's about her having an encounter with God and doing what God's asking her to do, what that, whatever that may be. And so I had got to a point where I thought, well, she, if she never does it, I don't care. That's her deal. But I'm going to do it anyway. And I would say to you, if you're married or you're in a relationship with someone and one of you, one of you is do and one of you is don't or, or you're putting pressure on one another or something along those lines, just stop it. Like, don't do that. Let it be God's deal. Don't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of the tithe, okay? But on the other side, if you're the reluctant one that doesn't want to engage in that, well, that's your deal, that's okay. But don't put the pressure on your spouse to not do what they feel like God's asking them to do, all right? Respect the fact that each of us has an individual relationship with God and God will individually ask us to do things whether our spouse agrees with it or not sometimes. Now, that doesn't mean you don't communicate it and you don't talk about it and discuss it. Why? Because that'd be stupid, wouldn't it, if you didn't tell your spouse what's going on? I had a, actually, I was, I was pastoring a guy once and we were in a conference and he felt this uncontrollable urge to give in a, in a meeting because there was an offering. And it was like that. I was like, and he gave, he told me, I gave $2,000 in the offering, Pastor. I said, really? I said, what'd your wife say about that? Oh, she doesn't know. Oh. And you know what? That issue has been a driving issue up until I don't see them anymore. I don't pastor them, I haven't for a while, a few years now. But that issue had been a driving issue in their marriage for years and years and years and years because he gave in a moment of spontaneity without having a conversation with his wife or to say, what do you think about this? Even today, I don't give like that without us having a conversation. It would be very, very rare that I would do that because I just, I don't. I respect my spouse that God has given me and I would encourage you to be the same. Respect one another. Release each other into what God is asking you to do. Anyway, that's off topic. I wasn't even thinking of saying that. Hopefully that helps somebody. So look, the reality of all this, we could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to, um, is this. It's about putting God first in our life, right? That's what it's about. The Bible talks about first fruits, talks about putting God first, talks about tithing. Abraham gave God 10%. He put God first in that moment. So the question is, where, do we, where have we placed God in our life? When it comes to our finances, where have we placed him? Do we respond when he speaks to us about our finances? Or do we sort of shrink away from that topic and go, oh, no, 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 and live behind a facade that says, oh, it's no longer relevant. It, 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 you know, it's Old Testament. Well, we have seen today that it's not Old Testament. It is in the Old Testament, but it predates the law that we use to have that argument. Right? It wasn't under Moses that this was instituted. It was under Abram. A very different position. One is legalism and rules. The other is under a blessing, a covenant of blessing. You could almost say it's a covenant of grace. 
The Bible in your New Testament talks about Paul encourages the, uh, in Corinthians to, you know, to continue in the grace of giving, that there is a grace around our giving. But grace doesn't excuse us from things. It empowers us for things. Grace is not a license to st- slip out of something. It's not like grease. We grease, we grace up so we can slip out of a situation. No, 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 no. Grace is an empowerment. It empowers us to do what God is asking us to do. Grace is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. But it's about putting God first. Can I have the musicians come? So seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. Where is that passage? I had it marked somewhere in here. What is it? Jeez. Matthew. Now I've gone, what book am I in? (laughs) But seeking first his kingdom. All right, like I said before, this is not about me trying to coerce you. It's not about, you know, if you never tithe, that's your deal, right? It's not my deal. And, and are you going to get a less than approach from your pastor because you're not a tither? No, because I don't, I don't gauge my relationship with you on how much money you put in the church. You know what? I actually don't even know in this room who does. Other than my wife, because she's told me she does. <laughs> I don't know. I think Zoe does and, and Locke, because if you got up the other day and said, I tithe, that's great. I love it. But it's good. I don't need to know. Unless you want to tell me, I don't need to know. Because that doesn't change my opinion. It doesn't change my approach with you. It doesn't have any impact on how I'll treat you. Will you get past it better or worse if you give or not? It doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm going to pastor you the same. Because at the end of the day, that's not between me and you. It's between you and God. But I can say this to you, that the tithing principle and discipline is well worth the effort. And if you're someone who says, well, I can't afford to tithe, I can say to you, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just don't know it yet. And it may not be that you start out at 10%. Maybe you go, well, I could give 1%. Go ahead. Why? Because God says, test me in this. So any kind of approach to testing God in this area is going to attract Him because he said you can. Man, I wish God said, test me in evangelism. See what I do. Because I'd want to test it then, you know. Or test me in something else. But he says, test me in this. Put me first, see what happens. And we see in Malachi, he says, if you bring it into the, you know, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, I will pour out blessing you cannot contain. Does that mean every time you tithe on a Sunday, you're going you're gonna to have an overflow of money in your bank every week? Not, not always. But one thing I've realised in my life, ever since I've started this principle, ever since I started doing it, I, I was sitting down just yesterday, thinking, last night, thinking, when was the last time I worried about finances? Now, it might be that I've got a really good wife that does it for me, but I don't think so. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we had a discussion about what are we going to do about this money situation? I've never done it. I, ever since I've started this, I've never, I've honestly never sat down and worried about our finances. When bills come in, God, you've got this. 
Why? Because I'm honouring you. And I know that that honour attracts the blessings of God. Why? Because it tells me in Psalms that it does. In Proverbs, sorry. It says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So I've learned the biggest part of I think of giving is trust. You need to be able to trust who you're giving to. And I think this is why God tells us to test Him in it, because He wants to build trust. And He goes, give me this. Why? Because, you know, people go, oh, money's evil, but money's not evil. It's the greed, right? It's what money can produce in our life. It's the love of money, right? When the love of money supersedes the love of God in your life, then you have a problem. It's not about how much money you make. That doesn't matter. Some of us here are more wealthy than others. Some of us don't have much. That's cool. That, that's not the problem. The problem is, is what's going on in your heart about that money. And if it's, if it's first, and I've met people like this, I've met Christians like this, that money is their first priority and it lives behind the, the message of prosperity and funding the kingdom. Oh, I just want to be a millionaire. I'm going to chase money. I'm going to, do, I'm going to buy properties. And I've seen guys do it. They buy property after property after property. And, 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 and it's all about making wealth and making wealth. But, but, but there's this thing underneath that just something's not quite right in this person because his focus is on being rich. And his heart is attached to being able to create wealth because the Bible tells, tells us that God gives us the ability to create wealth. But, and, and He does. God gives us that. He gives us ideas, business ideas, all sorts of things. But it's when your heart becomes attached to the dollar and it disconnects from the Creator, that's when we have a problem. Honour the Lord with your wealth. Put God first and see what happens. My encouragement to you is, try it. Here's the thing, try it. No one's saying you have to do it and stick to it. If you feel like it doesn't work, so be it. But I have a sneaking suspicion. If you take God at face value and He says, test me and you try. And I want to talk, here's the thing with God, don't try once. Make it a commitment. Say, well, I, 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 could, I could do 2% and I could do that for two months. Try it. Maybe you go, well, I can do 10% and I could do that for a month and, and I'll, I'll test God in this. Okay, so try it. Just try and see what God does. If you struggle financially, is this an issue for you? Do you actually implement this promise and this, this uh, discipline into your financial world? Or have you lived in a place where you're always, I don't have enough money? Just try it. See what happens. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.